Hi, it's Finn Dwyer from the Irish History Podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. While you're staying at home, I would recommend another great show that's worth checking out. It's Unexplained by Richard McLean Smith. It's a beautifully produced and gripping show that looks at unusual and sometimes unnerving occurrences from the past and present. It's perfect escapism. Check out Unexplained on the Acast app or wherever you get podcasts. Hello everybody and welcome to the Mirror Football Podcast. The Premier League is back and all of last season's top five picked up a win. Uh, Manchester City uh, dominant at Arsenal. Liverpool absolutely walked past uh, West Ham. Uh, Manchester United as well opened up the season with a comfortable victory over Leicester. Uh, we're going to be looking back at all the Premier League's action um, and uh, looking ahead to kind of what the season is going to hold for us. Uh, I'm Aaron Flanagan to do so, and joining me around the panel today, first of all, is Matty Lawless. Matty, how are you doing? I, I was alright until you said walked past West Ham. Well, you weren't very good though, were you? We'll come back to that. Yeah, we will. We will come back to West Ham, uh, indeed. Uh, Alex Richards is here. Alex, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, good. <laughs> I thought you would. Good. And uh, Conor Mummery is here as well. He's uh, definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, Spurs got to win. You got to be happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I've had to drink out of a Topman mug this morning. So. Yes. Oh, good. Oh, lovely. Uh, you know the Premier League's in back in full swing uh, when things like that are happening. Uh, well, as I said, we're going to start with Sunday's action. We'll start with Unai Emery's first game in charge of Arsenal. Um, they went down to the champions. Uh, I think everyone probably saw that one coming. But uh, yeah, well, I mean, I mean, can we just give Man City the title already? Because I mean, they looked probably. Yeah. They, 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 they looked pretty good, didn't they? Good. I, I, I still think Liverpool are going to been a conversation that they were excellent yesterday against the poor West Ham team but um, Man City were excellent weren't they and you think that's not Man City at at, uh, top gear either is it Um, a lot of those players have just come back from the World Cup and they're so dangerous so sharp and clinical I mean great goals Bernardo Silva's was the pick for me Um, I felt Petr Cech could have done a bit better um, with Sterling's effort but still great work from Sterling to get in and cut in like he did um, but yeah I think death taxes and Arsenal fan TV those are the certainties in life and you know it was it was refreshing to hear those guys have a good moan about Arsenal again I didn't think they were that bad yeah I, I, I'll be I they played a brilliant City team I, I, I don't think you can judge Arsenal yet simply because yeah. they're playing against uh, a team who were by far the strongest team last season and for me, Man City have got stronger. I think the addition of Riyad Mahrez makes City stronger. And they've lost absolutely nobody. He was so, popular at the Emirates, wasn't he? Mahrez, uh, taking his time to come off, <laughs> getting a lot of booze. But I thought Arsenal, they were positives. Definitely, they got a tough start. They got Chelsea this week. Um, but I like the boy, Guendouzi. I felt that, um, yeah, he made a couple of mistakes. But he, he never, he, he didn't go hiding. He was always looking to, to find the ball at his feet. And... I think he'll be a decent sign. And don't forget, he's been plucked from the French second division. Yeah. So, um, you know, he really, really promising. Really surprised to see him in the starting lineup, though. I was. Uh, I was surprised to see Petr Cech in the starting lineup. I don't yeah, know about I was, you guys, but I'm sure Bert Leno was as well. Hang on a minute, you've just yeah. bought me for 20 million. What's he doing in there? Yeah, yeah. yeah probably not what uh, Len- Leno expected. Uh, yeah. Alex, what were your opinions of uh, Arsenal's performance? I thought you could see what they're trying to do, but how can you judge him against this Man City team? Um, I don't even you say City played well I think City were about 6.5 out of 10 on their own scale which is scary and that's frightening for the rest Um, 
Look, it's going to take Henry a lot of time, mm. isn't it? It's going to take him quite a while. You can see the mark he's trying to stamp. He wants to play out from the back. They're almost... Well, they almost killed themselves a couple of times trying to do that. Um, they looked a little bit more secure in midfield when Lucas Torreira came on. Granit Xhaka did his his no-man impression again. Um, so I actually felt sorry for Guendouzi in the first half because he made a lot of mistakes. But as Matty said, he didn't hide. But he had nothing alongside him. Xhaka was just non-existent. I thought Mkhitaryan was poor again. Meza Ozil... He flickered, but again, a, a number of choices he made were very poor. Yeah. Um, it only really an attack came together when Lacazette came on, and he added real impetus, and he looked up for the fight for his place. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't really remember Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang ever really getting hold of the ball. That's the issue That's with all. him. In a game like this, if, if you're not creating chances, then he's not going to do a lot. Because his game is now playing on the last man, getting in behind and getting on the end of things. He doesn't give you a lot in terms of build-up play. But if he's not getting a service, he needs to go and find it, doesn't he? And that's that's the thing with Arsenal at the moment. But I think he won't. He just yeah. does. In his last season at Dortmund, he just he doesn't drop deep. He he's very much playing on the shoulder and waiting and looking for that opportunity. If if the game's going away from them, he's not going to give them a lot. Uh, from what we've seen then of Arsenal, I know obviously we're saying oh, we can't really judge them just yet. But what we know about the kind of the signings they've brought in so far, um, do we see Arsenal getting back in the top four this season? Uh, I know it's only a, a little look we've had of, of what they can do, but is it still very much a tall order for them to uh, to get in there? Yeah, I, I absolutely can't see them doing it unless I mean obviously we've got the January window as well. But I don't really think they <laughs> have they made themselves much better. I mean they've brought in like the likes of Socrates. Is he a big improvement on Koscielny? Um, Lichsteiner I mean you, you know you Hector Bayer in a couple of years ago was one of the best up and coming right backs uh, maybe he will be maybe I think he's still a bit under Wenger um, as a lot of young players did in his last few years but I don't think they've they've added enough I think they need to do something quite special in the summer to, to oust the uh, oust the others in the top four I mean what was it a ten point gap there for the make up yeah it was a, they, they were a long way off um, they're quite quite a way behind the other five I yeah. think, and they are the team that needs the most surgery, and it's gonna it's gonna take quite a while for for Emery to get them looking like a team he wants them to look like. Isn't this a good thing for Arsenal? The fact that expectations are so low, like sure, surely they can't get any worse. How, than how low are expectations at a ground when fans have all pretty much left, apart from about a third? before the final whistle they weren't very patient yesterday were they I mean no. every misplaced pass you know there's groans oh, yeah. down. Right. it, it reminded me a lot like West Ham to be honest <laughs> with you I mean it was it should have been a fresh start it should have been look everybody knows that playing Man City that time of year it's always going to be difficult and Arsenal are a work in progress can they finish in the top four they can but there's an awful lot to do and I think the teams that are in the top four already already proved themselves this weekend plus Chelsea looked strong, didn't they? I know they played Huddersfield, but you know that's that's where Arsenal are at the minute. Yeah, I was there. I was quite surprised about the fans. I suppose the amount of empty seats near the end of the game because uh, I'll be honest, I don't think there's many other Premier League clubs or support bases of Premier League clubs that would walk out at that point at two 0 down against the best team in the country you can, or yeah. team who we believe are are likely to be. I mean, you get it at every ground, don't you, in the country? I mean, like from 80 minutes onwards, fans leaving, but not to that degree. I mean, you could, you, there were barely anyone left at the yeah, final yeah. whistle, which is very unusual. Yeah, so uh, come on, Arsenal fans, uh, get behind your team. Um, I mean, obviously, tough start. They play Chelsea uh, this coming weekend, uh, so it doesn't get any easier for now. But uh, yeah, it's going to be intriguing watching Arsenal. Uh, Man City, we obviously said we were impressed with, but 
Moving on to another team who played on Sunday who I think everybody was impressed with is Liverpool. Obviously, Liverpool were one of the stories of last season, playing great football, scoring loads of goals, Mo Salah, Sadio Mane doing their thing. Um, but they've added uh, Naby Keita uh, in this year, who played uh, an integral role in the game against West Ham. Yeah, and as we said on the um, post-deadline day podcast, you asked us to pick who we thought would start this season, and Keita was certainly my signing of the summer. He's an absolutely outstanding player, and I think he showed glimpses. He's getting a lot of headlines for his excellent performance. I didn't think it was by any means an outstanding performance from him. I thought he was good, and I thought he offered something very different that Liverpool perhaps don't really have in that area. Um, certainly the first goal he was integral to, moved into the space and Alexander-Arnold found him with a great pass. And then he drove forwards, played in Robertson and Salah had a tap-in. Um, he will get better and I think that is a scary thought in itself. Still only 23, isn't he? Yeah, and, and the, some of the link-up play between he, Mane and Robertson down their left was was excellent. Um got a really bright future there Jamie Redknapp's already said that he already looks like he's made for that number 8 shirt like he's been there forever Yeah, and it certainly showed he he was walking around that pitch at times as though he owned the place No, he slotted in seamlessly didn't he and, and the chemistry between him and Mane was was a real kind of uh, a plus point for Liverpool going into the season and okay it was an easy game against West Ham and West Ham made it easy for Liverpool particularly playing that high line there were warnings early on and they kept making the same mistake um, the midfield was very light and it played to Liverpool's advantage and Keita just had a bit of a field day there didn't he I think, I think one of the things that him coming he's been kind of pigeonholed as this midfielder that he'll go box to box and he's a bit of a destroyer defensively and he'll get in the middle and he'll get a couple of goals but his feet are so quick at times he's like a number 10 he just drifts away from people he's got a little burst of acceleration and West Ham out of Wilshire, Declan Rice Mark Noble a little bit one paced in the middle no one really able to when he faced them up get near him and I think that played to his advantage and played to Liverpool's advantage yeah and that was where I felt West Ham really lost the game in midfield yesterday and the real loss was not having a player like Czech Chiarte. you need someone with a bit of physical presence in there I've said that on social media and a lot of West Ham fans have disagreed with me um, but I just feel that West Ham really lacked a bit of a spine to that midfield and there were too many players kind of too pedestrian yesterday I felt Who? who where's Obiang? Where's he gone? He was on the bench and again he would have, he would have made a difference I'm not sure whether Obiang's picked up a knock somewhere beforehand I know that Arnautovic had a late fitness test and he wasn't quite himself yesterday although he did look a threat at times but again when you're playing up front on your own it's difficult to to find that service as we spoke about Aubameyang with Arsenal and um, I think that the midfield really sort of exposed West Ham not only defensively but in attack as well didn't uh, offer much yeah. are you worried about West Ham obviously no. obviously you, 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 you're playing Liverpool you're I still stick to that we'll win the title I'm sure um, <laughs> yeah, fast, really. fast, fast improvement <laughs> coming <laughs> no I'm not I'm not worried I think as many say look Bournemouth this Saturday that's the real barometer of how far they've come in. and it's again it's a similar situation to Unai Emery Manuel Pellegrini's had a short space of time to kind of get his ideas across he will be attacking minded but there are times when you play teams like Liverpool where you kind of have to temper those attacking philosophies and you kind of have to have a bit of gamesmanship and I felt that West Ham just didn't really manage the game well yesterday 1-0 
with you know less than a minute of stoppage time to go and they can see the second that was game over they could have come out in the second half and maybe had a bit of a go at it but once it's 2-0 at that time of the game you've lost and you know if you're going to lose you don't want to be getting beat 4-0 you want to kind of shut up and ensure the defence a little bit and we just didn't do that so Saturday's a key game for West Ham and um, let's see what happens then. then then I'll start to judge them yeah. uh, back to Liverpool uh, obviously uh, 4-0 is uh, you know, such an impressive result on the, on the first day of the season against the team who we, we genuinely expect that we'll, we'll do yeah. something decent this season in, in West Ham um, are Liverpool as good as Manchester City? No, absolutely not. No, no. no I, I, that, are you that. straight in there with a no? So. Uh, I don't think over the course of the season they will be. Um, I think we see a lot with Klopp teams. There are periods during the season where they they do look quite disjointed and they do struggle to, to hit the heights. I mean, they seem to have peaked very early this season. Um, I mean, this is the wonder of how long they can sustain it. But I think City are just far too ruthless and... You know, they're I've got, a juggernaut, aren't they? I've got to say, though, that for the first time, I looked at Liverpool's bench and I thought, that is a strong oh, yeah, bench. Yeah, and and I can't say I've thought that before about Liverpool. And, you know, Daniel Sturridge come on, first touch, he'd scored. So, if anything's changed this year, they have got options to change games up. But there's too many times like, over the last season where there wasn't clinical enough. And it is against the teams like West Ham, with the greatest respect, that they have to go out there and, and do a number on them, like City would. You know, and how many times have they drew a draw against teams last season, particularly at home against teams really they should have beaten. So that would be the true test. I think Liverpool, they always turn up against the big teams. They're, they're that sort of club, aren't they? But can they be steamrolling the likes of West Ham United? I think that's where they've got to improve the season. Moving on now to another one of the potential title contenders or a team that I think would want to be in the title contention, but um, I say the vibes are not too good at that club at the moment that's Manchester United um, they got the win though they got the win against Leicester on back on Friday night obviously Paul Pogba's penalty um, I tell you what I can't remember who scored the second goal Luke Shaw Luke Shaw, Luke Shaw that's all, it was right near the end I, it's completely gone on my mind already <laughs> um, but um, what was the opinions of, of United's performance because I know from myself I watched it and perhaps typically with Manchester United I was I was bored they won uh, I think that's the best thing you can say about it um, you, you asked the question if, are they title contenders in the same way Liverpool are I'd say yes um, I think they're very different teams one is defensively better set up than the other although Liverpool's defence has much improved um, but as you say watching United isn't isn't something that gives you great enjoyment there's, there's no real wow moment with them um, Alexis Sanchez had an excellent pre-season and then looked like last season Did not self, have a good game um, giving the ball away repeatedly Paul Pogba for his first game back after five days training was pretty excellent for 80 minutes um, and yeah they got the win but there is there is that spark missing you'd hope that when players are back up to speed when Romelu Lukaku is back in the starting lineup, that they will progress and move forwards they'll need to if they're going to be title contenders Otherwise, City will just leave them in the rear view again. Um, but it's a building block for them to start with. It's, it's something for them to move forwards. Yeah. They're up and running, absolutely. And and it's all about that progression now for Jose Mourinho's side. How can they keep on winning, keep that mentality um, and momentum? I think the course of the season is going to be the Paul Pulper story. Um, and I almost feel that United should just run with that. 
Um, he it was interesting for me how he took the penalty off of Alexis Sanchez. Sanchez. He really played up to that sort of I'm the captain yeah. because something like that I can't understand that. Before the game, you know what your responsibilities are. If you're on free kick duties, you know you're taking the free kicks. Penalties, I'm almost certain that the Manchester United 11 who went out there knew who were on penalties. Paul Pogba said after the game he didn't. He said he said I wouldn't have a set. He said it's something that can't they just that. decide between themselves. But I find that very difficult well, to believe. Having played like you know a decent level of football, it's up on the wall. You're doing this. You're the, it's communicated well, before the game when, well, and in training. Uh, when you've got characters like Pogba and Sanchez, who are big characters and big personalities and almost quite stubborn, I think I think they come across as well. You, you, but, you're opening yourself up for a kind of worms if you don't. But that's what I'm saying. Game, it, right? it, 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 in a way, United's uh, season could implode on the pitch, and there are early signs of that. And I think Mourinho needs to get an early grip of that, really. And I think Pogba. Should you just let him go with it? Perhaps you should. I mean, it's going to be one of those that he's not going to let up. His his comments were very interesting after the game where almost, I think he was having a little dig at Mourinho there, wasn't he? But didn't stop short because said, oh, I don't want to get fined. And I think he's kind of had that message where, look, I can say what I like really and do what I like because I'm the future of Manchester United. If I'm staying here, then this is all about me. So perhaps Man United should let him run with it. I don't know. Apparently Paul Pogba, he he doesn't stop for journalists very often in mixed zones. He's normally straight through didn't he? But he had got something he wanted to say and he he said it. He had a a point to deliver and And without explicitly saying it, everybody knew what he meant uh, on the back of it. Just quickly on Paul Pogba's penalty, that run-up. Yeah. Right, this little tapping his Remind me of Simone Zaza. Honestly, mm-hmm. like, I was watching that penalty uh, as he's doing it, and I'm thinking, what on earth are you doing? So, what's a goalkeeper thinking? Yeah, well, I mean, you guess the right way. Precisely, but, yeah. exactly. but it got nowhere near it. But mm. listen, at the end of the day, great penalty. He's put it top yeah. bin, superb. But when you're Paul Pogba and you know that everyone's on your back and everyone's talking about you, take something to do that. If you're, yeah, I mean, it's, but at the same time, why would, why would you risk doing that? Because if he blazes that over the bar, the keeper saves it. It's, his, it's every, his routine, though. Every, it's his routine. Everyone's on his case two but minutes that's into that's a season. That's how confident he is in his abilities at the minute. It's the same. It's <laughs> the same thing as the England players in the World Cup, practicing their own routines and getting it in their own head. That right, the keeper comes and passes you the ball for shootouts. Jordan Pickford specifically picking up the ball, giving it them so they take ownership of the situation, slowing themselves down. It's the exact same thing with him. This is how he takes penalties. This is his routine specifically for taking them it's not something he's just come up with just because all the talks about him it's how he takes them yeah he's yeah, clearly practised that hasn't he yeah well, I mean at the end of the day great penalty but I mean I was just I just thought he's, he's opened up it's, the, it's he's the, opening it's up the thing the that you're, ner- you're nervous about him taking that penalty he's nerveless so it's yeah. exact. he's fine with it it's, it's your turning around and being nervy because of it definitely a lot of plus and that's points. irrelevant to him yeah. definitely a lot of plus points for United because again would that have been a game that last season they would have drawn Potentially, and Leicester, I didn't think they were all that bad. And it's interesting that Claude Puel is is the man that is leading the sack race now, isn't he? He's overtaken Jose Mourinho, and there's already talk that um, there's a bit of a witch hunt to get him out of the club. And very, very surprising. Yeah, given I didn't, that, I didn't um, think they did a lot wrong. No, I thought you know James Madison. We, we were speaking about him earlier before the show, and uh, he he really impressed. And Jamie Vardy was on target, so I don't think Leicester are going to have a bad season at all. I think yeah. they'll be all right. And they were, they were quite proactive with the ball. They had a lot of possession and. You know, the questions about Claude Puel's teams have been they're too defensive, they're too rigid, 
and Leicester were quite the opposite of that. I think there were a couple of times where it was Ian Acho up top by himself, wasn't it? I think there were a couple of times where if Fardy had started that game, Leicester had a much better chance of getting a couple of goals. Because yeah. Ian Acho looked fairly short of confidence, and there were a couple of balls over the top that you could have just seen Vardy latching onto and tapping home. Yeah, yeah, no, so Dehaye made some great saves as well for us. Did he? yeah, one so, from yeah. Madison the first half was good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously you, you mentioned Madison. Um, uh, towards the end of this podcast, so we, we just want to have a look at some of the the new faces in the Premier League. Uh, Madison is literally top of my list because I was I, I was well impressed with him, um, despite obviously Leicester losing. Um, moving on from the United Leicester game, anyway, um, just quickly on to Chelsea. Uh, they were at Huddersfield, uh, convincing three 0 winners. Jorginho on the score sheet as well from uh, the penalty spot. Um, what were uh, the first impressions then of uh, it's, it's been called, it's been branded Sarri ball, hasn't mm. it? I think in uh, in some of the some of the headlines that, are, that I've seen knocking about. But yeah, what's the what's the first impressions of Sarri ball? It was a lot better than against City in the Community Shield, wasn't it? Um, Did a job. Mm. They dictated. They dominated. Huddersfield had a few chances themselves. Hit the post a couple of times, but on the whole, Chelsea very convincing, and they've got Eden Hazard to come back. Yeah. yeah, and I thought that I quite like. I think there's a flourishing partnership between Jorginho and uh, Kante. I think that looked good, and it sort of freed up Kante, and he got further forward a little bit and expressed himself. Both were on the score sheet, so there's there's a lot of um, potential in that midfield, certainly, particularly with Hazard coming back. So. Kovacic to come as well. Yeah, Kovacic to come as well. So Chelsea, in any department, midfield, they're sort of they are probably. Far too blessed, aren't they? They've got too yeah. many options there. Ross, you can Bar- never have Ross too Barkley many, in the starting eleven again. Yeah. yeah. Interestingly. Yeah. So uh, Ruben Loftus cheek, nowhere to be seen. Yeah. I, f- I fancy um well you know, he probably should have gone out on loan to Palace, shouldn't he? But he should have gone out on loan, absolutely. Whether that yeah. something happened there, I'm not quite sure about it. I'm pretty sure that Palace were desperate to get him back, but uh yeah, Chelsea got their options. Again, it's the real test on Saturday whether they can prove it against a good good club, a better club than Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, my doubt with Chelsea at the moment is the the centre backs. Yeah. Uh, obviously David Luiz still in there, Antonio Rudiger, um obviously other options are Christensen, who was obviously Cahill, was on yeah. the bench. Yeah. I just don't think they've got enough there. I think I, th- I think that the personalities they've got there I think can be exposed. They've changed, haven't they? They've gone back to a back four. And so that immediately takes away a bit of security because you've taken out the third centre-half in the middle, which was Christensen last season. Uh, Louise now appears very much back in favour. And as Pilacuaita's back out at right-back. So you lose a bit of that security defensively, but you know in Jorginho and Kante, free up front as well, you, you get a little bit more going forward perhaps. Yeah, no, it's going to be exciting to, to watch Chelsea. Uh, one team... Uh, the, the last team of uh, in the big six uh, that we haven't mentioned are Tottenham. Uh, I just mentioned exciting football then. Um, sorry, Connor, I wasn't too excited by Tottenham on uh, on, on on Saturday. I wasn't too excited by Curzon Ashton, Aaron. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, me neither. They, they messed up my accumulator. I, I, I mean, I believe that we played well, uh, listening from uh, from the radio. You the lost 1-0. Yeah. yeah, but I believe we played well. It's a work in progress. But anyway, we're not talking about Curzon and Ashton, we're talking about Tottenham. Um, it's got the job done against Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I, I don't know, something didn't quite feel right. I don't know whether it was a negativity because you didn't bring in any new signings. or it was, I don't know, it was just... I think you've got, same, to, be a little bit old. You've got to be a bit fair. I mean, away from home, Newcastle, early fixture, and quite a few of those starting 11 have only just come back to training this week. Spurs did the job. They did what they needed to do, and that's a good result. I think any team going to Newcastle would take two one. 
yeah, yeah. yeah really uh, what were you? What were your opinions on the performance? Were you were you happy as a whole? Uh, I didn't really think we needed to come out of second or third gear, to be honest. Uh, obviously, we had took the early lead and then got pulled back when uh, Hosselu scored a goal, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Must be what his fourth goal in about two years. <laughs> <Yeah>. Even <laughs> Newcastle. I'll tell you what, that was a great cross. It was, it was yeah, superb cross. Richie. Richie. Yeah. He's actually a striker. He's a striker apparently. So yeah, yeah. 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 Not just a centre half. Apparently he up is. Top. <laughs> um, It was a superb cross, as Matty said. Um, and then Aurier came in with a arguably even better one and put it on a on a save for Danny Alley. Who, you can't leave a mark to the back post because he scores that goal four or five times a season. Yeah. He scored yeah. pretty much the exact same goal for England against Sweden. Just hangs around at the back post and nods home. Yeah, watching Spurs on Saturday, do you, is there anywhere in that team where you see, oh, I wish we'd have sort of signed someone in the yeah, in that the area? Yeah, centre midfield. Yeah, that's, I think that's the only only place we really needed to. Um, Musa Sissoko again wasn't great. Uh, I think Eric Dyer came in and did well, um, considering he didn't really play much at the World Cup, did he? So he hasn't really got any excuses there. Uh, Musa Dembele came off the bench and he looked a lot better than Sissoko immediately. Um, we've got the players, but why is he not starting? I think he's brilliant. Oh, what, Musa Dembele. Yeah. He will, he will be. He just needs Why? he needs his time managed a lot. He won't be able to play more than one game a week. Why didn't he leave? He was supposed to leave about Because we didn't get anyone else in. We didn't get anyone else in. Was he, is he wanting to leave? Is that, what's the... Uh, well, yeah, the talk was that he wants, uh, wants one, one more big contract. Um, I think if you're a Tottenham fan, you're quite aware that he's probably only got one season left at the top level. Um, his games need to be managed a lot. He can't play more than 90 minutes a week, really. And he's got um, a long-standing ankle problem. Ankle and hip, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's uh, he's what well, he's getting on a bit. He's thirty-one. Um, but what Tottenham did need, I mean, they could have done with a Kovacic loan more than Chelsea, to be fair. But um, we needed someone, so we don't have to play Moses Sissoko, to be honest. Yes. I mean, we've also got Harry Winks <laughs> and Wanyama, both injured. Were both injured a lot last season. Who, who, when they're fully fit, would have been fine. Um, mm. But we can't really rely on them. I think Wanyama's out with the same knee injury he had last season at the moment. Um, so we're just hoping do he gets back. Do you think you'll be contenders for the title? Yeah. No, because Manchester City are there. Just I, I think level I above. Think we'll be a lot, a lot closer to um, to Liverpool than people seem to think. I mean, yeah. I think Liverpool finished above Tottenham once in about a decade. Um, but I th- yeah, I think we'll, we're going to get a lot closer to the uh, to the to the top than people think. To be honest, yeah. I mean, people sort of tipping us to come out of the top four. Now yeah. Chelsea got. Sarri and what have you but no I can't see it I mean back playing home games as well I think people underestimated I think, I think how much playing at Wembley is genuinely a disadvantage yeah. and we, Tottenham still managed to finish third yeah no I, I, I think that helps Tottenham being um, being kind of under underestimated and stuff uh, no goal for Harry Kane at the weekend it doesn't do August sell him and yeah, I know he, we just I mean wh- oh, he's not I, in my fantasy team purely for that reason come September he'll be straight in yeah, yeah I, I mean like what I I, can you put your finger on why he can't score in August? So is, is there is there in a mindset? Because obviously there, there must be more than just oh it's just bad luck. Didn't really. Get is, is, is it something to do with how he prepares? We still got two us? games left in August. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is it something to do with how he prepares for seasons? Or well, I had a, I had a theory before know. that at the back end of summer and the start of a season, when he has time off, he he really struggles to get back into a rhythm. But then he's top scorer at the World Cup, um, so you can argue that that's completely defunct even mm. though you could possibly argue that hey you know those goals came against Panama and a, a penalty against Colombia and 
that he won. Two against Tunisia. So you can argue, you can argue <laughs> it either way. Um, I fancy him to score this weekend. I think I think he really is. He's one of those players that he gets into a rhythm when it's game after game, when it's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, whatever. And he's just playing and he's going out confident and scoring. I think maybe it's just a thing that when he gets one, the floodgates open. It's just getting that first one. Uh, right, OK, we've mentioned all of the big six teams then uh, so far. Who misses out on the top four? Too early to say. At the moment. Too early? No, come on, right. I'm putting you on the spot. On the right now? R- right now. Well, right, what, what we West, West Ham will miss out, I think. Um, <laughs> Arsenal, Arsenal definitely miss out. Yeah. yeah. De- without a doubt. And I think the other place, probably Chelsea looking at it right now. Because unconvinced by Murata as centre-forward and unconvinced at centre-half when they've gone back to a back four. Yeah, I'm, I'm toying in my head between Tottenham and, and Chelsea as, as, as far as missing out, but I think I'm with it. I think I'm, I think I'm edging towards Chelsea. Just I, I think, missing out. I think Spurs will quietly put together a decent title bid this season. I think they may fall away last couple of months, maybe. But so I, think, I, think story. That, I think if we get to March, I think they'll still be in with a chance. I still think Arsenal can do some... Decent business this season. I still think they can match it with the best of them. So it's early days for them yet. Yeah. So Connor, who's missing out for you? Uh, at the moment, I would go with Arsenal and either Man United or Chelsea. Yeah, none of us mentioned Man United. It's be don't, you know, don't, see, it, it, don't it, see them falling out. It's just running, but it's like it, it, they can be as have as much discontent as they like. But you just expect Jose Mourinho to get results. Yeah, yeah you um, think so. But it's how long do the Man United fans uh, put up with that one? This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Moving on now to uh, the, the other fixtures, let's just run through um, the scores uh, elsewhere in the Premier League. Uh, Wolves 2, Everton 2, a bit of a thriller on Saturday night. Uh, Watford 2, Brighton 0. Um, Fulham 0, Crystal Palace 2, uh, Bournemouth 2, Cardiff 0. And uh, Southampton and Burnley played out the most predictable 0-0 draw in in history. I think that had 0-0 draw written all over it from uh, day one. Uh, very quickly on Wolves, Alex, you were at Molyneux uh, for that game. Uh, were you more impressed with High Wolves or were you more impressed by Everton? Because obviously both teams are uh, have kind of got big seasons ahead of them. Um, definitely Everton. Um, I think we've been critical. I've been critical, in particular, about some of their summer business, um, more so the late business than the actual Richarlison deal. Who, while he's cost a lot, he's instantly paying that back. He was excellent. He really, really gave Wolves nightmares. Um, he's got his two goals, but his work rate. His, his physicality, his ability to just bounce off challenges and run through people, his skill, he was excellent and he looks money well spent. Marco Silva getting the best out of him already. Um, on the other side of the coin, Wolves, I think there's optimism there still, definitely. 
Um, the fans are really enjoying it. They showed that they can dictate the football and and be creative. Granted, for 50-odd minutes, that's against 10 men. Um, and Ruben Neves, he's some player. The questions over him, whether he could step up in a Premier League, I think they're answered in that first 90 minutes because Richarlison apart, he was head and shoulders above anything else on that field. Yeah. Uh, so Everton for the best of the rest this season? They look good. They do look good. I think if you're outside the top six, if you're looking at them or Leicester, I think you'd go with Everton. Uh, elsewhere in the Premier League, uh, obviously Watford um, convincing winners against Brighton. I, I have Brighton, I think, as one of my like surprise teams of the season, but it looks like they... Uh... I'd had them relegation trouble. Okay, so we, we had completely... Yeah. I, I think the, op- thing, the thing with them is that Chris Hewton's spent a decent bit of money and been able to spend it on attacking players. But he had similar at Norwich when he had a good defence and kept them up and then they really struggled when he tried to move the side forwards and I really do think that's going to be the case again with Brighton. Yeah. Uh, any other teams um, that played this weekend that you, you kind of look at and, you, and, and we go, well, actually, they, they, they could be all right. Any, any teams pleasantly, pleasantly surprise us? I think Watford were pleasantly surprising because I think they've been tipped in certain quarters to go down. Um, but Roberto Pereira is fit and he's an excellent player and as his two goals showed and for the first time they played Dini and Andre Groutfront together and they gave Brighton's defence a torrid time Um, Bournemouth beat Cardiff comfortably Um, Cardiff had their moments from long balls and set pieces but Bournemouth eventually got the job done whether Eddie Howe's team can progress this season is another matter though I think real tests for them lie ahead and while it's good to get a win I do wonder how high they'll finish. I think they could be dragged into the mix. Mm. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to follow all of those teams. Uh, plenty of teams potentially you could be dragged into the, into the relegation battle this year. I think it's just like last year. It's it's, it's quite open. It'll be quite a tight. That's, league. The, that's the league, isn't it? These days, there's, there's six teams. Then you've got probably two or three that you would say, yeah, there's no chance they'll get dragged in. And then you've got eleven so or so yeah, that yeah. that could finish anywhere in between 8th and 12th yeah I mean you say that you have these teams that you think oh they won't get dragged in Everton for a large part of last season you'd have thought oh they won't get dragged in and they were in the mix I know obviously they, the they recovered and got out of it but big question is who uh, who's Big Sam going to come in and rescue this season yeah oh he's, he's on the market he's, uh, he's floating he's around with his media appearances which, no, which is normally an indication that he's uh, he's eyeing up a return so it definitely won't be Crystal Palace well, it's no. a hell, hell of a result they picked up and Roy Hodgson you know whether you like him, whether you dislike him, he gets teams organised. Just signed a new two-year contract yeah. as well. Palace fans love him. Yeah, mm. and and they've kept hold of Wilf Zahar, who yeah. you can't underestimate his importance to their attack because he just does a bit of everything and gives them genuine excellence. Maybe, maybe they're the team that can really sort of uh, climb up the table this season. I think that they they've got some fantastic players in there, as, as you say. Roy Hodgson, he's he's getting his ideas across and. He's been there for a little while now and the players like him. The fans were actually celebrating his new contract signing as the best signing of the summer for them. And they, don't forget, they signed some decent players. Kate, Maya, you know, a few others as well. So, Ayu um, was another one, wasn't it? I think they, they what, eight games last season, didn't, didn't pick up a point. I think yeah. if you took yeah. those eight games away, I think the last 30, I think they finished about 7th or 8th in that particular table. So I think, I think they'll be there or thereabouts in, in 8th to 10th again. Yeah, with Hodgson, I think people kind of tar him with that England brush a little bit, but he's a, he's a good manager. and We've seen that at Fulham when he had that sensational run to the Europa League final. Um, he's he a perfect, perfect manager for an underdog, isn't he? Yeah. You know, We saw when he was Liverpool boss and he was expected to 
to challenge that it really was a struggle and he didn't last long. But as you say, when you saw him at Fulham and we've seen him at West Brom, seen him now at Palace, with an underdog, a team that he gets to set up defensively and then they go and play on top of that, he's a very good manager. Yeah. Uh, no, anyway, just before we uh, we round up this podcast, uh, the first uh, of our kind of Premier League uh, weekend reviews that we'll be doing this season, uh, well, there's obviously a lot of new faces in the Premier League this season, a lot of uh, a lot of new signings. Um, we meant talked about briefly about James Madison earlier. He for me was the one player that I watched this weekend, uh, and I went, well, actually, you know, there's serious potential there. But was there were there any faces? Of the new the new signings, anyway. A couple that we've already spoken about, Naby Keita, of course, and Jorginho. I like the look of him. Um, and Guendouzi, like I said, he, he wanted the ball. And I think, given that he was plucked from French second division for £7 million, I do feel that he'll be a bit of a bargain this season. Yeah, Alex is about to say Raul Jimenez, aren't you? I was actually about to say Lucas Torreira. I think in, oh, really? his, in his little cameo, he showed, he showed enough to suggest that that problem at the heart of Arsenal's midfield yeah. somebody defensively intelligent who sits and protects they finally got someone and he's got a bit more about his game as well um, Jimenez did well for Wolves he runs the line he runs channels scored an excellent header late on he had another chance that he should have done better with um, struck straight at Jordan Pickford when he went clean through he was a handful um, he looks a bit cumbersome occasionally his touch lets him down at times so it's understandable why he wasn't playing regularly at Benfica um, but he looks like he'll get goals I thought Philippe Anderson impressed me for West Ham he was one of the only plus points he trapped back well um, didn't get an, an awful lot of the ball but um, you know he, he certainly showed a, a lot of energy and desire that's he just sure. cost 37 million and the only thing you can find on the opening days he tracked back well <laughs> we needed that I've got to, I've got to cling on to something yeah. positive haven't I? but you know what about Tottenham's new signings they, they kind of uh, don't you, know anyone do it yeah, you, you, right. you've, you've had that one a few times today haven't you I have yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, um, uh, he's still got three points who's West Ham's yeah. next game Bournemouth Saturday London Stadium are you going no I am be, um, <laughs> David Brooks would be one to watch in that he was, yeah, yeah, he yeah, was quite again, good for Bournemouth I, I, was, I asked yeah. you about him earlier um, I, I hadn't seen much of that Bournemouth game in truth but uh, the reports I'd read on Brooks in particular he, he's had some good reviews and don't forget Liverpool are a club who are caught in him I think it's a sensible move going to a club like Bournemouth because he'll get a bit of action well, the thing, thing he had at Sheffield United last year was he wasn't necessarily a first choice he yeah. played, he'd come off the bench a lot he played 20 minutes here he, when he did start he'd play maybe 60-70 and then be subbed off so I think I think Chris Wilder thought there was maybe a, some sort of stamina issue and that he needed to be gradually built up. But the talent's undeniable. He's very yeah. good with both feet, moves in between into good space as well. Yeah. He'll fit in with Bournemouth's yeah. style of play. Yeah, so I, I look at him and I think he's maybe a little lightweight. Yeah, he needs, but, needs to bulk up a little bit. But um, given Bournemouth's style of play, it's not you know the most physical game in the world, is it? Uh, so you know he could be uh, could be a little wild card. I was really surprised to see him starting, but no, I'm really pleased. Especially for him. against he, a Cardiff team that you know it's going to be physical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Neil wants to. Well, no mention of Cardiff there. Obviously, I know they've uh, they, they they were beaten, but um, anyone got any hope for them? Yeah, I think they need a bit I, of I experience. This, I really do. I think they need to. They needed to sign a bit more experience, and the players they brought in just you know they they're not proven, and I feel like they played read up front. When they should have probably played Mendes uh, Mendes Lang through the through the middle instead, and maybe tried wing off the um, read off the wing. I just I just feel like 
they needed a bit more about him. I mean, one signing they could have made this summer, I'm surprised they didn't actually, was James Collins. He's, you know, he's an experienced centre-half. Okay, his injury record's not the best. But to have somebody like that around the dressing room just might have been a key signing for Cardiff. But yeah, I, I just feel they haven't got enough Premier League experience and games like Bournemouth away start the season it's a good opportunity for them and didn't take it Yeah, didn't look like ever getting anywhere near the goal yeah so a big test to Cardiff uh, this coming weekend they play Newcastle uh, at home uh, live on on TV as well so we'll be able to get a a much better indication of just how Cardiff are looking for the season Uh, but anyway guys that'll do us uh, this week on the I say this week we're going more than weekly now aren't we yeah we we do a few a week now yeah well uh, we're going to be back uh, quite regularly Uh, so if you're you're enjoying these podcasts then happy days for you uh, because you won't be able to get rid of us we're going to be here um, (laughs) we're going to be here regularly Uh, but guys thank you very much uh, for coming on this podcast Uh, do appreciate it Uh, if you don't subscribe to us already you can do on iTunes you can on Acast you can on Spotify uh, you can on pretty much any place that uh, provides podcasts uh, you will be able to find us uh, we'll be back later in this week uh, reviewing all kind of all the stories through midweek um, and also looking ahead to the Premier League weekend uh, but until then uh, we'll see you then this is Acast recommends every week we pick one of our favorite shows and this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.